Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Do you want to aspire higher in your life? reach for heights that you never thought were even possible in the first place? Do you want to have a more positive outlook on your life today? Well, my friends, I'm delighted to welcome Ken Lidner. Now, for those of you that don't know who he is, Ken is the founder of Positive Life Choice Psychology and the Positive Life Choice Psychology Lifestyle. Ken's calling is to envision what can be in people and to help craft the positive, constructive and strategic choices and steps that will turn their great potential into a highly positive and productive reality. He graduated from Harvard University, magnum cum laude uh, from Cornell Law School. And today, Ken has helped thousands of individuals to make highly constructive and self-actualizing life and career decisions, including the likes of Mario Lopez, Lester Holt, Megan Kelly, and so many others. Ken has a brand new book out called Aspire Higher, a quintessential guidebook to finding inner peace and fulfillment, which is available right now for all of you to go and get a copy of. Highly encourage you to do that right now as well. It's a great uh, insight into how we are able to uh, empower inner love and organically share it with others as well, raise our own feelings and self-esteem and self-worth along with our own self-image and so much more. So I'll make it easy for you guys to find a copy of this book. It is available uh, anywhere books are sold, but links will be in the show notes below for you. My friends, I would greatly appreciate it if you could help support Ken and the Storybox by going and getting a copy of his book, but also sharing this uh, conversation around to all your friends and your family. Really do appreciate each and every one of you guys that continue to come back and support the show. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box and aspire higher as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Ken Lidner. 
Jay, I'm thrilled to be with you and uh, everybody out there. I am thrilled to actually have you here on the show and thank you so much for making the time to be here. We'll just men- we just mentioned a moment ago that your book actually has hit on Amazon two number one best-selling spots, which is absolutely incredible. The book released today as we're recording this, which is November 16th for you and November 17th for me. So congratulations for all the things you are achieving and I cannot wait to dive further into it. But before we do, I have a question that I would love to ask you uh, and I think you might like it, which is what does success look like for you? Success, Jay, for me is a very subjective criterion and bar. To me, what it is that you love, that you aspire to do um, is success. To me, it's personal. Mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time, one of the things that's so important when you're making life choices, when you're charting your life path, is to think about what you really want in your life, your goals, your dreams, the person you most wanna be. Those are all subjective um, goals and, and bars. So the key is success is if you're living your best life, if you are fulfilling your potential and attaining your dreams, then you're a huge success. Mm. And if you're happy, and you're fulfilled, you're even a bigger success. Mm. I love that answer. When was the moment for you, Ken, that you realized this, in fact, was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing for you over the course of your life where you've kind of had those little moments or was it more of a catalyst moment somewhere in your life? Well, Jay, I was this late blooming, overweight, uh, clumsy youngster. And part of that came from the fact that my mom was always with me as a stay-at-home mom, but my dad worked six days a week and many evenings. And as a young person, three, four, five years old, I believed that my mom must love me because she's always with me. But my dad doesn't love me because he's never there. And what I didn't realize until I got older was that my dad was working all those days and all those evenings so I could have the education that he never had. So he wanted me to have a stay-at-home mom who could be with me and be there for me. And he was going to be the provider. And back then, that's oftentimes what happened. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was a bit older that I grew to love my dad because I understood why he was working so hard. Um, But the thing was, was that being that late blooming kid who used to eat every time I felt rejected, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of insecurity issues. And it wasn't until I had a teacher in high school, a sociology teacher who believed in me, a tennis coach who believed in me, and my mom always believed in me. And those three people were the wind beneath my wings to quote Bette Midler. It was the fact that people saw the best in me and they saw that I had potential. And eventually I came out of it and I fulfilled a lot of my goals and dreams as the years went on. So my mission in turn is to see what can be in others and help them choreograph the steps 
help them make the choices that will help them self-actualize and be all they can be. So really my mission started when I was very young and that is to see the best in individuals and help them get there. Mm. You mentioned there, Ken, that you were quite a late bloomer. Now yes. I am curious for those people that don't know, like they are kind of like, I guess you could say late bloomers themselves. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to them to help aspire to become better in their life, to find their purpose, to find their calling, so to speak? What advice would you give to them? Well, first thing I would say, Jay, is don't worry about where other people are because I didn't, I wasn't as coordinated as others early on, but yet I wound up playing number one singles and doubles for Harvard. I actually beat Arthur Ashe when I was in college in an exhibition match when he was fifth in the world. I've won national titles in two sports. So it doesn't matter where you start, but where you end up and how you evolve and how you grow. And you don't have to be a national champion. I'm just using that as an example because I was a late bloomer but I did not give up on myself. I didn't compare myself to other kids, more advanced stages of development in athletics and academics and in other areas. I just was a slow starter. So mm -hmm. don't get down on yourself. Continue to believe in yourself. Know what it is that you do really well and pursue it. And also know what you love, know what makes your heart sing. And those are important things for you to pursue. But I would say the biggest thing about late bloomers is don't worry, you will get there. Just be patient with yourself and believe in yourself. Is it more important for you to believe in yourself than say others believing in you? I think, interestingly enough, at the beginning, I think it helps to have both yeah. because you want somebody, a parent, or somebody that's important to you to believe in you too. It does give you the confidence oftentimes to go on because if they believe in you and they think you're okay and doing fine, it, it really helps. But at the end of the day, it's your life and you need to believe in yourself because people get jealous and people have their own subjective sort of agendas. Yeah. And if somebody criticizes you because they're feeling badly about themselves or they're jealous, you can't fall like a house of cards because you're not getting that positive reinforcement from others. At the end of the day, your belief in yourself must be embedded in your heart and in your psyche that you know that you can do it and you know what you're doing is right and all of those things. And sometimes, you know, you have to take the road less traveled and you just have to be your own best person and not worry about the applause of the crowd. Because I'll tell you, the applause of the crowd goes away really quickly yeah. and then you're left with your good or bad decision and, and the path that you've taken. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that a good deal in Aspire Higher as not to worry too much about others' expectations for you. Just be the best you can be. Yeah. And nobody achieves perfection. Just be the best you can be. Mm. 
And I think there's a lot of people that are chasing mere satisfaction rather than trying to attain fulfillment. And I really believe that once like self-belief is a powerful motivator and a powerful inspiration for, for one to move forward in their life, as well as it is having those people to support you. Cause otherwise you're like, well, no one's giving me a shot here. What do I do? So I keep, keep going or what do I do? So I guess my question to you, Ken, would be is self-belief, what does that really look like in, in the grand scheme of things? If we were to like really uh, hone in on it and break it down, what does it look like? Is it better? Is it more than just saying, I believe in myself or is it you actually persistently going out and, and doing things in your life despite the obstacles that you may face? Well, you know, Jay, I think there are two answers to that that come to mind. And again, in both of these cases, I talk about it in Aspire Higher. One is, you know, in order to get core confidence in anything, you do need to get some victories. You know, it's really interesting. I remember Tiger Woods in his heyday when he was winning lots of golf tournaments. He was down by five strokes going into the final round of play. And he came back and won the tournament by one stroke. And at the end of the tournament, the commentator walked up to Tiger and said, you know, what was going through your mind when you were down five strokes going into the final round of play? Mm. And Tiger confidently and succinctly said, I knew I could come back. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. And that to me spoke volumes. Because you can think you can do something, you can hope that you do something, but until you actually do it, you don't really believe you can do it, really. And that's the way you grow. The key really is you want to take small steps in anything you do. Take small steps, get small victories, and realize that you can accomplish this. I realized that I could be a good athlete when I started to win matches. Um, and at first I played against, you know, weaker players, but I started to win. I didn't win all the time. And by the way, I've learned more from my losses uh, than I have from my wins because it shored up things that I needed to work on so I could get more victories. But that's for another time. But the key is if you can take baby steps, get baby victories, and then bigger victories. And then you take a little bit more of a risk and you start developing more of a repertoire. Uh, that's how you do it because that's how you get the core confidence through small victories and then bigger victories, whether it's um, playing tennis, whether it's any sport, whether it's academics, whatever it is, get those small victories first, master them, and you'll start to feel really great about uh, your chances of achieving great things in the in your chosen field. The word compound comes to mind <laughs> whenever I think of that. Like all the little things, they will eventually add up to something bigger, something greater. Like you just got to stick to the path, keep going, take the knockbacks, take the failures because they're going to be there to help set up for the the greater greater wins if you if you want to use that um and they help build confidence too that's what i've noticed in my life but i've also noticed as well that 
most of the time I've been thrown in the deep end of life and either been told to sink or swim. And it's kind of like, for me, I'll sink for a long period of time, but I've found that sinking is so much better than it is swimming. Cause it goes back to that saying that you just mentioned that you learn more in your failures than you do in your wins or successes, so to speak. So I, I love this. Um, I love this whole topic of conversation. It's, it's so important, especially for young people today. But one question that I do want to ask you now, Ken, is do you remember one failure in your life that sort of was like really, really crushing? And what did you do as a result of that crushing failure? You know, I can think of many crushing failures, honestly. But I'll just give one because I think it's really um, illustrative of the growth step. I remember when I was playing in the juniors in tennis and I was doing very, very well uh, at 16 and 17. And then I went into a men's tournament and I played someone who had an amazing left-handed serve and was just a really great left-handed player. I too am left-handed, but I wasn't used to um, somebody who really knew how to serve well and was left-handed. And I was confounded by the spin because it's different than a right-hander spin. And I wound up losing pretty easily, 6-1, 6-2. And I, I was so deflated when I came home. I mean, I wanted to throw my rackets away and never play tennis again. And after a day or so of my mom letting me cool off, she came into me and said, okay, Kenny, let's figure out what the constructive solution is for this. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you need to figure out how to play a left-handed player. You're just not used to it. Mm. So she said, my idea is you should get a left-handed coach and let him show you how to navigate that different footwork uh, when you're returning a left-handed serve. Mm. And I went, interesting. And I went to this left-handed coach who turned out to be an amazing coach for me. And a year later, I played the same um, gentleman and I beat him like 6-2, 6-2. And that was one of the great life lessons um, that I will ever have because that night I said to myself, you know what, had I not lost, I never would have realized that there were things that needed to be corrected constructively. But we found that constructive solution. And now I crushed him. And the feeling of elation, of accomplishment, but also understanding how to navigate through defeats. And that, interestingly enough, a defeat, if taken um, correctly, and you learn from it is really your first step toward gaining a much bigger victory down mm. the road. So it was a great life lesson for me that I, I was crushed by the defeat because I didn't know how to, I just didn't get why I was beaten so badly, mm. but I learned and found the constructive solution. And as I said, my first step towards a great victory a year later. I think failure or making a mistake like that is truly an amazing gift because if you allow it to show you all the areas that you need to either improve or get better at, because I don't believe that we have, none of us have made it quote, so to speak, 
But if we can learn from those failures, we can be so much better in life. We can reach out our greatest potential if we just allow those failures to serve us in the right capacity, not we serve it. <laughs> but so right. many of us, we serve the the failure so much so that our it, it takes our energy away. It takes our ability to believe in ourselves once again, all these areas of our life. So I guess for a young person at the moment that is kind of crippled right now and they're in a stage or a season of their life where it's just constant like bombardment of failure after failure and they feel like they're a failure, how can we help navigate them out of that failure into becoming, I guess, more positive and healthy and happy? Well, this is a great question, Jay, because you're allowing me to give my second story, which I really wanted to give. So I'm sitting with you today, Jay, because I'm an author of six books. Ooh. However, you know, when I first started, I wanted to be, I'm talking about 25 years ago, I really wanted to be a self-help author. And I wrote this book that I thought was great. And it was turned down by every publisher because they didn't think I had the credibility, um, the cachet. I wasn't a psychologist, um, wasn't a doctor. They just thought I had nothing going for me. I had no game. And they rejected the book. And, and there, were, there were so many rejections. And I went back to the drawing board and I said, okay, one of the things that I tell my clients is lead with your strength. If you're going to go for a job interview, um, if you're taking a job, know what it is you do well. What are your assets? So I went back and thought, okay, what are my assets? Because I'm at rock bottom here. Yeah. Um, and again, what's the constructive approach going back to what my mom told me? So I said, okay, I am a broadcasting talent agent and I represent many well-known people. So I decided, okay, I've got that cachet. Let's lead with my strength. I wrote a broadcasting book. Um, and it was about how to make decisions that will allow you to fulfill your potential by giving you the information you need to make great life decisions in broadcasting. And I wound up going to the library and to bookstores. I saw who the publishers were of broadcasting books. And no agent wanted to represent me because it's, it was going to be a very small book. And I sent the book out to five different publishers. And three of them liked the book. One of them published it. And all of a sudden, okay, I'm now in the club. I am now an author. And then I was giving a lecture about a year, a year later at this television and broadcasting um, seminar. And to move things along, I was talking about um, how to make emotion-free, cognitively clear decisions. And I talked about how to use the energies from your emotions and channel them in a positive way. Mm. And at the end of the lecture, an ex-Oprah an ex -Oprah Winfrey show producer came up to me and said, you know, nobody's talked about emotions the way you do. And you have a book there. You should pursue that. And I wound up writing the book 
And um, this time it took, because I was already an author, I had a little bit more credibility. And that book got published. Uh, it was called Your Killer Emotions, and it was a bestseller. And I've now written, you know, three other self-help books. So the key is, what I did was I figured out the most constructive path. And trust me, I was rejected by agents and publishers. I couldn't get any lower. So I needed to figure out a different game plan, uh, a more constructive, creative way to get to where I wanted to go. And that's what I did. So if you're getting bombarded by by, uh, rejection or um, things aren't working out, just do a reset. Think about what your assets are. Think about what a more creative choreography is to help you get to where you want to go. So many people who have succeeded have had to be had have had to deal with so much rejection. Yeah. And I've been rejected so many times in so many different areas, but mm-hmm. I stuck with it and figured out a better, more constructive way. So that would be my best advice to all of you, because there is a way if it's meant to be. I was, uh, for those people that are watching the video, I was smiling the entire time Ken was telling that story because I resonate with it so much. Like at the moment, I'll I'll tell Ken a quick story and then my audience too. Because I'm in a story box, right? It's a story box, exactly. So we've got to share many stories. (laughs) It's like a must. So I'm in that stage of my life at the moment where I finished my first ever book and, you know, I was sending it out to agents, to publishers, to every everyone. I was getting rejection after rejection after rejection. I couldn't figure out what's going on because I thought, you know, it's a great book. It's great stories in there. It's got a good message. But everyone seemed to think, well, you've got this audience of the story box. You know, you've got all this stuff going for you. But I wasn't really leading with my strength, if that makes sense. I was leading with what I thought was my strength, but not really. <laughs> um So I had to go back to the drawing board again. And since no agent would believe in me, they kept telling me that I didn't have a big enough audience. I didn't have reach. I didn't, I had no credibility, nothing. I was just like, okay, well, if you're not going to believe in me, then I'll believe in myself and I'll give it a go myself. So that started the, the process of me researching, finding a bunch of publishers, editors that I thought would fit well with the book, very much like what you did, reached out to a bunch of them. And yeah, so <laughs> I completely understand how that has has worked out because I was in the very same period and I'm 25 years old at the moment. So I know I'm still really, really young. And I had like so many agents and publishers ask me the question of, uh, you're 25 years old. Who's going to want to read the book of a 25 year old that's got wisdom, you know, advice and all that. And I had to turn it around. I had to make a negative into a positive and say, this is why I believe that the book will do well, X, Y, and Z. So it was that process, Ken, I think you, you, you understand this as well, of just even though there are a bunch of negatives being thrown at you, you just practice and practice makes proce- a progress forward that once you do practice it, you're turning the negative into a positive all the time. And nothing is like you want to give them – as much positive deflection 
as you possibly can so that they cannot say no. <laughs> That's the way That's I saw cool. it. So I thought well, I'd say that long-winded I love story that story. As well. and, and that really is so insightful, Jay. I mean, when you are able to turn around a negative into a positive and figure out what it is is in their self-interest, what is going to make them money? What is going to give them success? And if you can also turn it around that way so they are invested in you yeah. because they think good things are going to happen for them, that also is a very good way to turn the tables and, and the tide. Mutual benefit, right? <laughs> Mutual benefit, you bet. Yeah. So I, right. wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Ken, what led you to writing your current best-selling book at the moment, Aspire Higher? Well, I've always been about studying um, how important our choices are in our lives. I mean, choices are like train tracks. You know, trains go where the tracks take them. And our lives are a reflection of our choices, what decisions we make, what choices we make. So if we can make great choices, the chances are we're going to have hugely fulfilling, exciting, and, and highly productive lives. And I watch the news a lot because it's my business, Jay. And every night I would watch and see stories of you know, about the devastating effects of COVID and global warming and rampant shootings and rancor and racism and, mm -hmm. and rising inflation and missiles being tested. And it's just so much negativity. And I would talk with people and I, I feel like they're getting demoralized. Um, they, they feel emotionally and psychologically stuck because they don't see a way up or a way out of these troubling times. So I decided to write Aspire Higher because I wanted to give everybody the clear and actionable steps for them to make positive life choices that reflect their highest self, their highest goals, and their highest values. And I believe that if you can make these empowering choices, you begin to instill positivity, and love and peace and strength and highest life purpose in your life. And you also are motivated and have the confidence to um, elevate your life in the most wonderful ways. Mm -hmm. So especially for the holidays before the new year, new me jumpstart, I wanted to make sure that I, I got my book out to give people the chance to make choices that will really change their lives for the so much better. The word aspire, I don't think we use quite often in the English vocabulary, <laughs> uh, which right. I think need, does need to change. So why did you use the word aspire? Well, when you are um, thinking about your highest goals, your highest values, your highest self, mm. you're aspiring higher. And that's what you wanna do when you make your life choices because if you can make choices that help you attain your greatest goals, being disciplined and not always settling for the immediate gratification mm. and um, think about the person you ideally would wanna be, it helps you be the best person you can be. These, these things, these aspirations help you stay on the path 
the disciplined path to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And one of the things, Jay, that's included in aspiring higher and making your very best choices is that you need to take quality, quiet time to think about what you really want in your life. What is it you want to attain in your life? Who is it you want in your life? And what kind of person would make you proud of? What kind of person do you really want to be? And I think not a, we don't take enough time to really think about what we really want in life. We're so busy. We're running. We're just putting Band-Aids here and there and everywhere. But we don't take time to dig down deep and find out what the truth is. What do I really want? The other part of it is, it's, and we started with this earlier, Jay, it's what you want in your life, not what somebody else wants for you, not what your teachers want, not what your spouse wants, not what your partner wants, not what your teachers want or your employer wants for you. It's your life. It's your life path. They're your choices and your choices are your gifts. Make the most of them. Don't be somebody who later says, I would have, should have, could have yeah. done all those things, but I didn't. Yeah. Go for it. Follow your passion. Know what makes your heart sing and make choices that reflect what makes your heart sing and will help you accomplish all of those great things. Mm. And that's what Aspire Higher is all about. I love it. I really, really do love it because this aligns perfectly with the Storybox's vision and mission and even my own purpose to help others realize their, their worth and reach their full potential and to just go for it. Whatever idea that they have or desire, just if it's good, that is, <laughs> to just go for it, right? So where right. do you want people to get a copy of your new book, Ken? Well, my website is positivelifechoicepsychology.com where there are plenty of essays and you can purchase the book there and Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com and Target.com, Walmart.com, uh, uh, BooksAMillion.com, IndieBound.com and any bookseller will have Aspire Higher. So I'm excited for people if they want to make positive life choices that truly elevate their spirits, their positivity and their lives to think about either buying it for themselves for the holidays in the new year or for somebody you love. Mm, perfect Christmas gift. <laughs> but I think. So yeah. how about for people that are currently in Sydney, Australia, or even in Australia, like other countries in the world, is it going to be available soon there? I would think so. Um, luckily I have a publisher that is uh, involved with all sorts of um, agents in different countries, but um, maybe you can educate me, Jay. Wouldn't one be able to get a book on Amazon.com in they Australia or not? They should I be. We've got, they would ship it to you. We've got uh, Amazon.com.au, which does bring over some copies, but it all goes down to the rights of the book, whether or not it's available in Australia, if they've attained, obtained the I will rights. check that out for my publisher. So once that happens, I think I'm not like the best <laughs> at all, but I have, I, I have heard uh, from agents and, and things like that, that it, it's hard to send copies to Australia sometimes if the publishers 
a smaller-ish kind of thing, but I'm sure it's a question you could ask your publisher and hopefully will, we can, hopefully we can get them here because I would love to – I go into the bookshop all the time. I would love to go in and see my friend – your book right there on the stand because I'm going to promote it like crazy. <laughs> oh, thank you. When even even um, I will promote it as well. Like, but even if I do see it, a physical copy of what I'm saying, yeah, I love doing that uh, for all my friends. Love love seeing all my friends' books in stores. So anyway, Ken, this has been honestly a, a great conversation for me. It's been very me inspiring too. for myself and very helpful. I needed to hear that story that you you shared just a moment ago as well to keep me going and all the wisdom and the advice you've been pouring out during this conversation. So you're honestly amazing, Ken. I want to ask you my final question, which is literally my favorite question. I ask all my guests at the end of uh, our conversations. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Well, first, I'd want that film to show my beautiful family. I've got a wonderful wife and two beautiful kids that I love like crazy. Um, show my parents and... Um, it would show our wonderful doggies, our two pugs, and my little Maltese dog, Peanut, who passed away a little bit ago. And it would have a copy of uh, Aspire Hire, because I think Aspire Hire is by far the best book I've written and will ever write. I think I got it right, and it was written for the, from the heart, and it's written to really help people. I've been, I've been coaching people, Jay, for 38 years to make life choices that help them fulfill their potential. Everything I know is in Aspire Hire. So Aspire Hire would be the book that was they the, would have in the, that film. Was the entire book a very vulnerable experience for you? Or was there like a particular chapter that was the most vulnerable for you to write? I'm pretty open about, I do tell the story about my dad and my being overweight and all of that. Um, I think one of the, one of the chapters that was, um, um, maybe the most emotional for me to write was the one about my belief that uh, when people pass, that their energy lives on and that the people you love are still with you, but their energy is just on another plane. Mm -hmm. And um, I really believe that I feel and I've had real signs from my mom and dad and uh, so it was uh, in talking about positive life choice psychology and philosophies. I went into that philosophy as to why I believe it. And going back and, and, and talking a little bit about my dad passing and my mom passing and all of that um, was a bit emotional. But it's also positive because I really feel that they are there. Yeah. And I hope. Um, that I can comfort people uh, when they do lose somebody they love, that that spirit, that spirit soul energy um, is still there. And scientists say energy doesn't vanish. It's, it's in another form. Well, I believe that energy isn't, is around. It's just in another form. Mm. I like to believe that 
that too, right? Like I like to believe that my grandfather is very much still with me. He's still watching over me. Um, he's still, I guess you could say my guiding light as well in many respects. Same with my grandma, my two dogs that passed. So all these, the ones that I've lost in the course of my life, I like to believe that they are still in some way with me energy wise. And like, cause whenever I go to say my, when my grandparents are buried and I sit there, I feel it like it's this strange feeling, but I know that they're there with me. Kind of, I like the, the illustration of a human being, a real human being sitting down and then you got kind of like two spirits or two angels next to them and like hand on the oh. shoulder kind of thing. That's what I like picturing, <laughs> but that's just that. me. So, well, but. well, Jay, here's the thing. This has been such a great talk and such a great interview. I think we're going to have to put this interview in that film too. Oh, <laughs> oh you're amazing. <laughs> I would love to see it uh, one day in, in your film, but yeah, that caught me off guard, God, actually. <laughs> thank uh-huh. you so much, Ken. You're an absolute well, legend. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation, but thank you so much once again for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Until next time. Well, thank you so much, Jay. It's been a pleasure. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.